What's going on, you freaking animals? Thanks for the click. This is the Intelligently Resigned Show. I am your host, Adrian, podcasting to you from the nether regions of the Intertron. Uh, more specifically, my hot wife's walk-in closet here in beautiful Honolulu, Hawaii. And life is not too shabby here in our happy, nappy little compound. But yeah, 2014, year of our Lord, people. Can you believe it? And look, I'm willing to accept that we don't have flying cars yet, but I was really hoping for a hoverboard by now. You know, what the fuck? But all right, I will settle for reliable Wi-Fi. Okay, technology, we're cool. I'm sorry, I love you. But how are you, people? Did you miss me? Don't, don't answer that, that's cool. Never mind, never mind. Uh, what's new with me? Well, I'm so glad I'm pretending you asked. Well, if you'll indulge me. Oh, look, I got just two little updates, okay? Uh, I know this was over a month ago, but looky what I got for Christmas. Let's see if you can guess what this is, okay? Even though you can't see this. Watch, okay? Watch. A tromboner, baby! Okay, watch. Name the song. Name the song. Okay, watch, watch, watch. Huh? Sorry, I got it during Christmas in my in-laws' house in Colorado. So that's the first song. Yeah. Uh, thanks again, in-laws. I love you. Here's a classic. Man, when someone busts out a trombone, it's an instant party. Just ask my neighbors. <laughs> Here, uh, ask me what my wife thinks after every time we have sex. Hey, yo. Oh, and check it out. I found the brown note. Uh, you might want to get a towel. And you know, it's a good thing that Christmas was this long ago, because that's how I was able to get this good already, you know? Okay, here's one for the Jews. All right, holy shit, I'm out of breath. So that's what I've been choosing to do with my time instead of trying to become a better parent and husband, okay? Let's see, but then uh, in less important news, uh, I got a job. Yeah, I, I'm bummed. I know, it sucks. I'm fucking pissed. But yeah, so check this out. I, I spent uh, seven months unemployed. And, you know, I haven't exactly been bragging about that. But, you know, I'm sure some of you were wondering how I was, uh, you know, having the time to put up a weekly podcast, you know. But yeah, it is what it is. And uh, now it was what it was. Uh, I'm stoked. Uh, we were able to, uh, you know, keep afloat financially because of my unemployment check, baby. Yeah. So a big aloha to the government. Uh-huh. Okay, look, but actually, look, that, I wasn't officially on the dole, okay? We weren't welfaring it because those checks were just me getting back the money that I had already put into the system, okay? I just want to clear that up because, you know, I got a lot of people listening that are in the tea party, you know, so. And my wife was a little stressed. You know, and now a little stressed is the new understatement of the year to be. But shit, not me. I was cool, calm, collected, baby. 
You know, my wife did eventually tell me that if I show that I'm more nervous, she will be a little less nervous. So I, I did. I pretended. It was cool. It worked a little bit. Not that much. But, you know, don't worry. Uh, everything stayed good for us. As far as our love life is concerned, you know that's what I care about. And it turns out that nothing makes a white woman more sexually crazed than an unemployed Mexican hanging out around the house, talking about football with a couple Bud Lights in his breath, you know, trying to make out with her. Mm, it was awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, her mouth would say no, but her arms would say, get the fuck away from me. Mm, mm -hmm. And her eyes would say, I don't respect you as a man anymore. Yeah, girl. Uh. You know, otherwise we're solid, you know? Hell yeah, my wife is stoked. She was so pumped when I told her that I finally got a fucking job. And you know what I got after I told her? That's right, you know what happened? Shit. I love you, baby. And I'm sorry that I'm telling people that you gave me sex after I got a job, okay? I'm sorry. But yeah, uh, so I will be doing computer mapping. Don't ask. That's what I got my master's degree from the University of Hawaii for. Uh, was in geography. Super exciting. Lots of hot chicks in the class. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, I'll keep the uh, the details a little under wraps for now because I, I don't I, I just start right now the second week of February. Uh, well, unless they drug test, in which case, yeah, I'm unemployed again. OK, otherwise, I was really enjoying just being a dad. You know, my son, Ruben, he's about two and a half, give or take. And, you know, he, he's just running around the house like a little fucking madman. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, he runs around in his little Batman chonies. Or no chonies at all. Fuck it. You know, remember having no inhibitions? Yeah, yeah neither do I. But yeah, I, I was uh, Mr. Mom in it, but not anymore. It's all good, though. I'm all caught up on my children's programming. You know, I've got my favorites, and Ruben has his. Uh, now we argue over what to watch. I argue with a two-year-old about what to watch. You know, like, come on, we already watched Thomas the Tank. You know, let's switch it up with the little dinosaur train or something. Curious George? Shit. Okay, so I'm just jumping right back into the fucking deep end with this one, okay? You ready to philosophize and opine, motherfuckers? Ready or not, okay? Uh, yeah. This, okay. This is an interview that I did with my uh, friend and neighbor, Matt. He's a super fun, smart dude, getting his PhD, his player-hater degree in philosophy, and, well, let's see, look, he never met his dad, huh? How about that? That's a selling point, right? So we talk a little bit about that, and then we become the two drunk guys philosophizing at the end of the dinner party. Uh, but don't worry, I promise you, it's tolerable. But we'll see. But please start drinking some wine, like now, okay? And just go ahead and take off your thinking caps as we travel to the past to get to know the philosopher, Matt. Okay, I am sitting here podcasting from the past with my friend and neighbor, Matt, uh, how you doing, Matt? Thanks so much for joining me on the show, man. Hey, you know, I'm doing pretty good. It's a, it's a late evening, but uh, we got the appropriate provisions, and I'm uh, feeling good about this. Yeah, not too shabby. We got a little little red wine going on. We got the uh, the box of wine from Costco, which is uh, doing us right for uh, not a great buzz, but a, a pretty good value, man. Salud, buddy. Salud, salud. Asante to your health. That too. No, this makes me happy that I, I never developed a taste for the finer things, because then this would be really horrible. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. right now, it's okay, because mm -hmm. uh, that's the level that I'm at. Yeah, and they do the tests where they take people who consider themselves wine connoisseurs, and then they have them drink the different, you know, value, different mm, levels, quality right. of wines. Right. And then it turns out that they can't really differentiate that much, the difference, you know? Yeah, wine is wine. I mean, grapes made into alcohol is fairly similar in yeah. lots of cases. Yeah, love it. 
So, you know, you are our neighbor. We've been friends for a little while, and you live here with us on the compound in the uh, the unit next door. And uh, we don't get to hang out too much. We see each other come and go. But it's been a pleasure having you on the compound. Uh, how do you like it so far, man? You know, it's been great. Uh, I've always kind of wanted to tuck myself back into this little space in, uh, in this valley. And um, I'm happy to be in here. And I love living next to you guys. You guys are pretty, uh, pretty chill, pretty quiet. I don't hear you guys having too much sex, which is good. Uh, that would, might disturb me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, any time that you hear it, that's about as often as it's going on. Mm, okay. So, yeah, well, oh, I mean. So I'm right in, I'm right in line then. Yeah. Um, Sundays, it's best if you're out of the house on Sundays. Try to be. Yeah. Uh, to we be. hear you talk. Like, if you're outside having a conversation, mm. we have to, like, close our windows or we can hear everything you're saying. It's basically. a good thing I'm not having sex outside then. That's right. <laughs> but you masturbate very loudly, though. I will let you know that. Well, you should enjoy it. I really don't want to do things without, you know, the pleasure. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So, uh, let me paint a little picture here for the ladies, Matthew. Just, uh, you know, you're kind of, you're officially a single man. You're, you're a good looking white boy. Uh, you have kind of a look, you know, I think you're kind of like a, a blend between hippie and hipster kind of, do you have any objection there? I think that sounds about appropriate. Yeah. Uh, you got Not that the, I called uh, myself those things. No, no, no. I mean, also n now, like, uh, you know, hipsters are getting, they seem to be getting a little shit, you know, like people like to make fun of hipsters now, you know, but. I just hate on them because I'm jealous, you know, like they uh, they get to live a life, an interesting life doing interesting things and, you know, being in, involved or interested in, you know, just all kinds of like eclectic things, you know, really obscure movies and directors and, and being really in tight with that. Right. Like that's one another characteristic of the of the hipster. Right. They kind of nerd out on things, you know, they're tech savvy. They're just like they got their, uh, you know, a lot of uh, irons in the fire. They got, got a lot of interest, you know, things and, that maybe the average person wouldn't, uh, you know, just be in love with. Right. And then so just me as a hater, I like to make fun of that, you know. Uh, but you know, I mean, you got the uh, you got the full sleeve, uh, you know, the, you got the tat covering your entire right arm here. I'm not even gonna just try to describe what that is, but uh, but it looks good. You just say it's pink flowers. Yeah, uh huh. You have the uh, you have the beard and the mustache. You're my second white boy on the show. Only from, the second. Yeah, from Ohio. Uh, you know, my white friend Corey. Oh, I thought only second white friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> only second white friend from Ohio. I jumped in. Yes, yeah, yeah, from a small town, right? Mm, also, yes, from a small town. Actually, called Farmersville, Ohio. No shit. Yeah, like how small was it? If the name doesn't tell you, then that's exactly <laughs> that's enough of it, right? Farmersville, I a village you, of farmers. You painted a picture for me there. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. You wouldn't find a traffic light. Let's say that much. And then how long have you been on the island of Oahu for? I guess this is uh, pushing into my fifth year, so four years and some odd months, three months, okay. four right. months. And then, oh, what also makes you a hipster is you ride, uh, what's that, what's the single speed or whatever? Single speed bicycle. What's it called? What's the other word for it? Uh, th this is not the other word for it, but some people ride fixies. Fig uh, yeah. Fixies <laughs> different than the single speed. This is a little, this is a little bit of difference here. I can coast and I have brakes. <laughs> I can coast and I have brakes. Yeah, so you have the uh, you have the messenger bag. All right. And then how do you compare? You've seen my bike. How does my bike compare to your bike? It's hard to call yours a bike. Yours looks like a <laughs> an old garage sale, like, I don't know, <laughs> like something that they were going to throw away and somebody was just like, no, 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 I'll take that. I could probably make that work. Yeah. And I'm super responsible. So I put Ruben on the front of it. My son, my two-year-old, I put him on the front of it and... I don't know. I, I really fear at one point, like, the front wheel is just going to, like, fall off. Well, and see, I feel super irresponsible because I've been your neighbor for so long and I do so much with bikes. I could have helped you out a long time ago. But yeah. instead, I've watched you wallow in squeaky, I'm good. slow pain. I'm good. I've gone through bottles of WD-40 where I just spray. I just spray WD-40. Shower it. <laughs> yeah. Whole bike. 
<laughs> start sliding off of it when you come to a stop. Yeah, I'm not even aiming for particular parts on the bike. I just shoot like a fire extinguisher, just WD-40. WD-40 is multi-talented. It can work in lots of situations. Yeah. And, uh, lots of surfaces. Well, on bikes, we're still talking We're talking about, about yes, yes. Oh, okay. Lots of bike surfaces. Okay, okay, okay. And then, yeah, I mean, you're a good-looking guy. Are you a single guy? Are you divorced or anything? <laughs> Not divorced yet. Maybe that'll happen in the future. We'll uh, see how that goes. But I can't put that one on the list just yet. You're working so. on your first ex-wife right now or what? I suppose so. I suppose that's yeah. the thing. I'm really working on um, a graduate degree, which is pretty much like being you know, married, I would assume, to a certain extent. Uh-huh. So tell us about that. What, where are you and what are you doing? Uh, so I'm at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, and I'm in the philosophy department getting my PhD in philosophy. Um, came to UH to study Asian and comparative philosophy, and I guess that's what my master's would be in if you had to say it was in something particular. Okay. And uh, now I'm sort of doing, as I'm working into my dissertation, I'm doing sort of philosophy of biology, metaphysics, um, trying to understand uh, the nature of people and history and time and the perception of time, things along those lines. Well, holy shit, I guess we'll come back to that. Okay, <laughs> but Asian studies, so you're into Asian chicks, I'm gathering. Any kind of particular, uh, like, Japanese chicks over Filipino chicks, anything like that? I think they all work pretty well. I'm a, I'm a fan of the dark hair, and nice. um, I guess maybe that I'm studying Japanese as the language, maybe that would be uh, a demographic I might uh -huh. have a little bit more sway with, but um, uh -huh. who knows? Nice. Have you dated an Asian chick before in your life? Briefly, briefly. Uh -huh. I did date uh, an Asian lady for a brief time. How did that work out? Uh, well, it was a brief time. <laughs> it was obviously a brief time. And so generally, is it kind of tough being a single man in Hawaii? You know, I mean, I, I, I kind of, I enjoyed it for about one year before I met my wife. And I, you know, I'm not super like, uh, you know, good at bars, but I had a pretty good time. I, I think I, I hooked up with a couple of chicks in that 10 months, but like, otherwise, like, how, how do you, how are you experiencing it so far? Well, I think you said it. I think the, the being good at bars is what makes being single here good because that's what so much of what Waikiki is downtown, so much of what Hawaii is in some way. Mm -hmm. You're either in the water or you're out with, with friends, which is all good and all good and well. I am not good in the water. Um, and I drink, but I tend to prefer my drinking home alone because I'm usually just, you know, broke and <laughs> busy with things. So given those sorts of uh, things that I don't necessarily participate in so well, uh, the dating scene here wasn't that spectacular. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. There is an exceptionally large amount of extremely beautiful women here. There is, yeah. Given the fact that, like, I like this dark hair sort of thing. And a yes. little bit of dark complexion all over the place. Welcome to Mecca. It's really bad being a... Uh, 30-something single TA at a university. Oh, you know how many uh -huh. amazingly looking 19-year-olds there are? Oh, aha. Uh -huh. Preposterously good looking. Girls getting philosophy credits for their undergrad, 100-level <laughs> classes. There's a good 30 to 40 girls in the logic class oh, I'm, my God. I'm lecturing in right now. Are and, you serious? Uh, yeah. It's a little crazy. It's Jesus. a little crazy. So that's, that's both a good thing and a bad thing. But also, do you experience some of the... I won't say racism, but you're a, you're clearly a white boy from out of town. And here in Hawaii, there is that, you know, we have the locals, we have the tourists and we have the transplants, you know, and there's this little bit of tension there that, you know, I'm not even going to get into. But if you've been if anyone's been to Hawaii, they kind of understand it, you know, and, and mm -hmm. there's a little bit of standoffishness initially. Have you experienced that? Yeah, and I've been really interested in that that tension and trying to understand what that tension is because you know I grew up in a small. It's town. called racism, man. Well, but <laughs> but it's not just that though. It is a little bit to a certain extent, but there's plenty of people who are fair skinned, blonde as hell, um, blue eyes, you know, and probably didn't grow up here or are first generation on the island and are completely. It seems like are just 
in line with things. And so I feel mm. like it's a certain amount of um, attitude. It's a certain amount of conduct. Um, it's probably actually having gone to high school here too, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people um, end up staying around here. And so you earn that cred by having just been here mm -hmm. for that developmental sort of period. But um, at the same time, like you said, it is in some amount of racism in some certain way. But all of it is, is I think, um, I don't know, I grew up in a place where everybody looked like me. And so the one like family that was dark skinned, I mean, you heard people throwing N-words out like at the bar all the time. And no it was just shit. kind of like, I mean, I heard it as a, as a, a middle schooler walking down the street going to um, high, uh, middle school track meet with my best friend mm -hmm. who was, who's African-American. and hearing You can some, say black, it's fine. Hearing somebody <laughs> yell out of a window, oh, look, a white boy walking with a, and you're just like, Jesus, I mean, we're, we're middle school, you yeah. know? And it was just kind of like, it was something, growing up like that, it was just, it was so enraging to me. And then I come here and I see it in a slightly different sort of manner. And I don't want to call it the same thing because I don't think it is. No, no, no. But just feeling the odd tension from people that um, you're kind of like, you're obviously not from here. And it's just kind of like, ah, I know I'm not from here. Like, I, yeah. you know, I'm, but at the same time, it's not been an issue in, in any way. I've not got any fights. I've not been jumped. Uh -huh. um, you know, well, I appreciate that you don't try to turn on the pigeon talk, you know, when uh, if you I mean, do you do that when you when you turn on the hey, bro, you, you know, know da, 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 you know, like I don't try I don't, to put it on a little bit. I don't throw. Well, I guess. Hold on. Hold on. I will. I will try to do it. Like it, mine's isn't good, so good. But like. Hey, bro, how's it? You like, go <laughs> you like Go Beach, bro. Yeah. Uh, uh, come on. So that, you're pretty bad. How's but, yeah, no, you're pretty bad. bad. So um, that's why I don't try to turn it we on. Can, you know? Right. <laughs> we can, I get, I get but, but it's funny no, when I, there's been like white boys that are here for like, you know, they're here for six months yeah. and they start turning it on, you know, which I kind of, I appreciate the sentiment of like, you're trying to like fit in or whatever. But then I, it's kind of an eye roller when you hear people do Certainly. it a little bit. Certainly it is. And I, and I notice when I do it too. Um, the thing that I've really liked about the the sort of um, local like way of speaking, and it's not just to say like the native language. I don't mean like Hawaiian. I, mean, I think that's yeah. a beautiful language too. But the way in which questions sort of like inflectuate at the end, yeah. there's something really great about that. You know what I mean? Like you grab my bag, and you know it's just like oh, there's something really beautiful about that because like you know if I was in Ohio, I'd be like um like hey, will you get my bag? You know, like uh -huh. it's not it's a little harsher. It's not yeah. quite so like it's got this little sing to it, this little up and down. The and I found that little twirl really yep. like beautiful in a uh -huh. way. You know. Oh, and then how interesting is it uh, experience or seeing uh, white people be the ones that are, you know, kind of discriminated against or like, you know, people give them shit. Yeah. Well, it, it to me, it was seeing a, that flip. I mean, for me, that's beautiful. That is right, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right? <laughs> but you not in, that much. You but. Up in L.A. There's so many brown people. In I LA, don't. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> but like, but you'd be a brown person that if you went someplace else, they'd pretend they think you're Native American. Right. They'd uh -huh. be like, oh, what tribe are you from? Or something. People think I'm from here until I open my mouth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, it was an eye opener because, like I said, I grew up in a place where it was never against me in, in, in a general sense. When I lived in Columbus, you know, I didn't spend times like only with people who, who look like me. How do you think you ended up not becoming racist? I think it was because of hearing people like call my best friend, you know, call him out from a window like that, you know, mm -hmm. and say things like that. But that how did you me... even become a friend with a black kid? I don't know. I don't know. Fifth Is that your fucking cat? Yeah. Every time Matt comes over here, his cat, if he's gone for more than 10 minutes, his cat comes to the door. Where are you, you fucking bitch? Here's, oh, Jesus. How the fuck does she know you're here? She can smell me. I'm, I'm pretty, you, when you were describing me, you forgot to say how good smelling I am. Can you, what can we do about this? Or she's going to be meowing all night. I can't let her in the house because my cat's will freak. Yeah, are you going to hear her on the thing? Yeah. Uh, what a fucking pain. I'm just closing the door and then we'll hear it. Okay, so everyone listening, that's when you hear that little Matt's in the fucking cat. 
who I flew out here from Ohio. Oh, that's so precious. Sometimes it's the only friend you have. That's so friend. adorable. Sometimes it's the only friend you have because everybody else is racist. You didn't try <laughs> You didn't try to put her on the plane in there with you like a service cat like fucking people do now? I don't know, cats don't like to wear that little coat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. The they, leash, they, the I harness. Couldn't, I couldn't get the coat on her, and that was, uh, that was where it went wrong. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so then, uh, and then like growing up in high school, uh, how did you do? Like, uh, did you lose your virginity in high school, and, and did you experiment with drugs? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm for, for both of those. I lost. Did my you get high and did you get a chick high I, and then lose your virginity? No, not at the same time. They came well after each other. I think I, uh, I think I lost my virginity on my way into my freshman year. Damn, really? Something like that, maybe. Lucky freshman or what? Perhaps, was this sure. with a cousin freshman or something or, or what happened? Why, why is it? Yeah, how do you not know when town, you small town? Yeah. You're um, not sure I, when you lost your virginity? So the first time somebody's asked me, when did I lose my virginity? It takes a while for the memory of <laughs> the, the details of the memory to pinch back in together. And um, sorry, uh, what year were you born? I was born in 1982. So what happened? Like, Okay, lost the virginity somewhere around 15, 16. Again, details uh, are fuzzy. Do you remember the right chick now. that it oh, was with? Absolutely. Where absolutely. it was? Do you not remember these details? Oh, no, I remember all of these details. Okay. All these details. We don't need to go into these details. No, that's fine. But, I, but it um, just sounds like you, like you kind of don't remember. Well, I think you. I don't remember what year in high school it was. That's mm-hmm. the thing I don't remember. If to it was say. before high school, that's fucking. It was that's before bad. high school. It oh, was either okay. freshman or sophomore year. And then, and then think, what was her first and last name? Just really yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think um, was she oh, hot? We. I mean, yeah, at the time. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Have you seen her lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, um, started drinking that freshman year as well, and I don't think I smoked pot for the first time until. Uh, it, it, junior year, perhaps, but I didn't get high. I didn't get high until I was 21. Oh, really? I smoked it a couple times and it was horrible. Like, Are I was just like, I don't understand why you do this. Mm. And I was just like, this is horrible. Mm. I'm not having fun at all. Oh, fine. And then the first time it happened, I was just like, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I get why you've been doing this so long. I'm home. <laughs> it makes sense now. And I've never <laughs> left. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yeah, but newsflash, everyone, this philosopher uh, smokes weed. <laughs> this only, there is only one, and he is me. Yeah, you're very atypical. And then, how were your parents growing up? Were they were they pricks about anything, or were they cool, or what? Uh, so I grew up with just uh, my mom. I never met my father. Oh, that. Um, oh, yes, yes, and, yes. Um, <laughs> and she was she was amazing in the sense of like being a single mother raising um, a young man. I don't, I don't know if I if I know the sort of like sacrifices and types of hard work that she had to put in. There was at least one time where she would be getting up at um, six in the morning to like study a little bit, go to work at the hardware store that my grandfather owned that she worked at for a while, go to a uh, nursing school or massage therapy school, whichever one she was in, for several hours into the evening, and then come home and still study all night till like midnight, wake up at six, and was doing this for long periods of time. In and her- I think back now and I'm like, I don't yeah. know how in the world you managed to like to do all that. So you never met your dad? Never met him. What's the story there? Uh, uh, just probably a situation where, you know, um, you're out running the bars and stuff like that. Like, this is not my mother. She's not this side. But I'm saying, like, for us, say, <laughs> say, that, say that year before you met your, you met your wife. Okay. When you're out running the bars in Waikiki, uh-huh. sometimes you... Uh, you I f- knock some chick up. And I, and I, don't, happen, I don't pull out. But, and... your, um, but your plans had something. Your plans just weren't going that direction. Mm-hmm. Settling down in a small town, settling down in Honolulu or something... You did, obviously, but say like that was the what happened. Okay. And it just sort of developed that it wasn't something he wanted to be part of. So she was like, fine, I'll do it on my own. And that's what she did. Did he stay in the town? No, he left. And I don't know okay. where. I, I really have no idea where he's been since then. I have no clue. Get the fuck out of here, really? I think he's alive. And he's white? 
I'm pretty sure. That's right. But I got my curly hair from it. <laughs> but I did get my curly hair from him, I'm pretty sure. So there you go, people. You see? White there men do that too, all right? If you're my father and you listen to this, don't you dare call me. <laughs> don't you dare call me. <laughs> and so what did your mom tell you like as you were growing up about the story of your dad? Simply just that. that um, really? Uh, from the get-go? She couldn't have told you that he died in, like... It wasn't Nam, but <laughs> yeah, it was Nam going. He was, to, uh, he was in the Peace Corps or something. And he got a bad case of influenza or something. Like she couldn't have lied to you. Flu was really bad that year. Um, yeah. No, she wasn't that type. She. I don't remember ever talking about it with her until I was about twelve, and then she gave me this sort of little chat, like showed me pictures of him, and I could uh-huh. see these sort of resemblances. I had curly hair, and nobody else in my family had this really like tight curly hair. I mean, whatever, little things like that. I see more. When I remember back to those pictures, I don't even think they exist anymore. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that, like, oh, I see where parts of the way I look resemble the way this man looked. But that was pretty much what she told me. And any time I've asked her about things in the, uh, the, the years preceding that, which wasn't very often, I would just say, like, so, I mean, like, what did sort of happen? And she'd kind of be like, he said, it's your problem. Deal with it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And from the tone of my mom's voice, she obviously was saying, like, we don't need to keep talking about this. Like, let's not keep bringing it up. And respecting that. You know, that no things happen in life. Just kind of be like, sure, I don't need to know these things. This is probably pretty personal and emotionally uh, in-depth in for you, for, for sure, my mother. But beyond that, it's kind of like, yeah, this dude made a decision now, 30-some years ago. Whatever. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Have you never had any contact with him, like, ever? I, not really. I mean, Do you know what state he's in? Do you know where no he clue. is? No clue. I mean, literally no clue. No shit. No clue at all. The and then la- how was that for you growing up? Like, you did you have any other kind of male role model? Any other oh, male absolutely. figure? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, my- how are you not gay? You know, I mean, my- isn't that the fear that, you know? Well, hey, come on. I'm sure that's still my mom's fear. <laughs> I'm, not your, I'm not your most typical guy, let's say. So I think that was a worry in my mom's uh, in my mom's mind at one point in time. Like, sure. He's just going to be gay. Yeah. But um, <laughs> instead, you're just metrosexual, at least, you know, she kind of. Somewhere in there, I suppose. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely had father figures. My grandfather um, was a big influence in my life. Um, I worked at that hardware store that he owned starting in when I was in like second or third grade. I'd come in after school and like sweep the floors Shut for up. like $3 or oh, something. That's so then great. I moved Such up great to, I moved small up, town stuff. Oh, absolutely. I moved up to bagging potato seeds uh-huh. and like, onion seeds. Hey, who hasn't been there? Yeah, yeah exactly. And then I uh, worked there all through high school. So him and uh, also my, uh, my godfather, he was a big influence in my life too. Got me into cycling, got me into hiking got me into sort of um, trying to question the world and be sort of clear about my thoughts and huh. not just take things for granted. He was a big influence in that sort of way. So those were like my two my two father figures in that sort of sense. Oh, very cool. And neither of them are, are gay. Maybe that's why I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking trip. I, I couldn't imagine what that would be like, you know, like. Right, because you, you grew up with a family. You have a you have at least a brother, and you have a sister. I've met her, too. My parents are Mexican Catholic. We have There's five of us. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so we were German Lutheran, so it was a little bit more of a, <laughs> of a uh, relaxed environment, let's say. And Do you have any siblings? No, I am an only child. Yeah. And Complete you... with all of the only child, like, psychotic uh, sort of problems, mm-hmm. or neuroses, you might call. But, uh, yeah, just me growing up, and I feel like that's obviously been a big influence on me. I've been able to be super independent. I'm okay, like, traveling alone, like, doing, like, most things on uh-huh, my own. Uh-huh. I'm really horrible at getting picked on. I can't get picked on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You start picking on me. Oh, I just don't. I lose uh, it. I lose you get it. defensive. I just don't know how to deal with it. Because I was never picked on when I was younger, you know? Oh, I didn't have a brother, uh-huh. older or younger, to like, uh-huh. give me crap. So now when somebody gives me crap, I don't know how to deal with it. 
Okay. You know what I yeah. mean? So that's a big downfall of having been an only child. Oh, interesting. When mm-hmm. I bust your balls a little bit, yeah, you, that you start to like that defensiveness oh, yeah. starts t- to yeah, pick you see up. Me tense a little bit. Yeah. that's a little part of it too, right? Yeah. Like if I'm in the mood, if I'm doing something, mm-hmm. and somebody comes in and interrupts me doing that something, my only childness is just like, dude, yeah. I am obviously <laughs> doing something. <laughs> I don't care what you are interested in doing. Yeah. But when you have brothers, that's just what you do. A brother comes in and is just like, I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. And um, then also when you bust my balls and like want to like give like a fun ribbing, you know, like right. just basically what I'm dishing out to you, like right. guys busting balls, you know. Right. Um, you're not that good at I'm it. I'm not good at it at all. <laughs> I'm not good at it at all. I am horrible at it. Like, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> You know, Matt, when it's funny, then it's funny. But then when you're like, when you're just like, you're clearly irritated. So then don't try to. often because I'm an only child. Yeah. So don't try to make a joke when you're irritated because then it just comes off like you're just either not funny or, you know, like. That's funny. So I've never really thought about that. You know, I'm just like, Matt's a little socially awkward kind of. Well, I was also. It's like you're European or something. (laughs) Yes, I have those tendencies, I suppose. But no, I mean, I think uh, plenty of Europeans, I think, act like this too. Um, I just think I wasn't, again, raised around that culture of like a dad who's like the man's man drinking Budweiser in the garage, like shouting at the football game or something. Um, And then like his buddies, like I was never around that when I was younger, had I been. Uh So had I been in that situation, I'd probably be much more okay with the the back and forth, the giving each other jabs, the. Lots of things, I suppose. The thing that I think I'm happy that I'm not okay with because of that would be the like subtle womanizing or the subtle racism that mm-hmm. would have come out. You don't get that when you're raised by a single woman. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. I think that's been an influence that I'm only now recognizing in myself. I miss out on not being able to give the jabs, but I also think that I, I don't have the tendency of seeing women in the same way that I think a lot of people have been when you are raised around guys always making jokes about about women, about a piece of ass, about whatever, you know, about like they can't do anything, always joking, my wife's the nag, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Whereas me, when I hear those jokes now from anybody, Mm -hmm. I'm always just kind of like, yeah, I cringe a little bit Mm -hmm. because it's just kind of like, really? Come Mm -hmm. on. That's why I don't call you over for most Sundays to come watch football, actually. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to get you to come watch soccer with me, but you want to watch this gridiron crap. And listen, I grew up a Bengals fan, a reason why I don't now watch football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're actually doing pretty good this year. Did you say oh, really? a Bengals fan? Yeah. Okay, I grew up in Southern Ohio. You're, you're a Bengals fan. Well, some people down there are Browns fans. That's fine. <laughs> they haven't been doing that well either for the last decade or two or whatever it is. Do all of the fans of that team call them the Bengals? Is that not what they're called? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see what it is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Bengals is an Ohio, <laughs> Ohio thing. Bengals. Bengals. <laughs> there you go. You want to try it? I want to drop the, I want to drop the angles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that is, uh, that's super cool, man. Just getting to hear a little bit about where you're coming from and stuff. The never meeting your dad thing. That is fucking trip, dude. That is, that is rich right there. Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of those things that if I would try to write it as a short story, I would just have to have like written about my life. Yeah. You, know? you couldn't think it up. Yeah. Very cool. So it happens. Yeah. So now let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, get into the thick of it here. And I do consider this kind of a high difficulty maneuver in that, you know, I don't want this to be two drunk dudes at the end of a uh, dinner party, you know, uh, pontificating and philosophizing and talking about, you know, like, Oh, what if we're just a, a brain in a vat controlled by aliens in the matrix, dude, you know, like who knows what's real, you know? And, uh, 
but still, like, here goes, okay? You know? <laughs> here goes we'll, nothing. <laughs> we'll try to st- not just be, like, uh, stoners at this. Let's be legitimate. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm having you on to talk about, like, philosophy and stuff because you are actually, <laughs> you're essentially a philosopher studying philosophy, and you hope to, your your goal is to teach philosophy, right? This is The goal is to professionally be involved with philosophy, which sounds like a ridiculous career choice. Uh-huh. And, and to be honest, it is. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's the path that's not going anywhere else at this point in time. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I do want to, uh, you know, pick your brain a little bit and have you uh, help me, you know, unpack some concepts and stuff. And, you know, I want to hear about your specific research. But first, I, let's do, uh, let's be the two drunk dudes at the end of the dinner party and let's do the philosophy lightning round. Are you ready? This, we can do this. Let's go. Let's ready. Okay, okay. Hold on. Let me get it. Here, right. let's pour yeah, a little bit more wine. There we go. There we okay. Salute, buddy. Salute. Salute. All right. This is a great. Oh, man. Life, right? Great dinner, sir. All of it. Isn't life a trip, bro? Just, I mean, like existence, you know, like it. consciousness, dude. You ever thought about like what it is to be you, you know, like what makes you you, bro? Like, okay. Lightning round, dude. Uh, just, you know, as quick as you can. What is, this, what is this about to involve? Okay. So drop trial first for starters. Oh. Like, yeah. Just, oh, whoa. That is those, okay. Holy crap. Hey, sometimes you get some skills during grad school. You know? Yeah. You were prepared. <laughs> okay. Who wins? The unstoppable force or the immovable object? Oh, that's good Lord. The uh, immovable object. Time's up. Sorry. Are you sure? sure? Yeah. No, nope, that's the wrong answer. answer. Sorry. Um, if there is a God and that God is omnipotent, you know, all powerful, then, well, for one, he's a dude. All right. They're, they're always, you know, that's if to you're going to be all powerful, that's a dude right there. That's a man. It has to be, right? Uh, so, so that's why <laughs> I'm going to use he, way. right? If, mm. if there's a God that's all powerful, is he so powerful that he could microwave a burrito that is so hot that not even he can eat it? Huh? You ever thought about that, bro? Would he use? Would he ever need a microwave? Would he just not roast it off of some some star? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> marshmallows. Never mind. Never mind. When you smell someone else's fart, would you rather take the poop particles into your nose and smell it, or would you rather not smell it and have the poop particles in your mouth by breathing through your mouth? Mm, you know what I'm interesting saying? Interesting one. Would you Would you taste it necessarily? No, you don't taste it because you're not smelling it with your nose, like how much you require your nose to taste. True. So you don't smell it. You don't smell it. It just passes through your mouth. But the poop particles are in your mouth now, you know? You imagine how many poop particles are probably floating around all the time. I'm talking about father here. here. Uh I imagine that some amount of uh, your your young son's uh, fecal matter has been... Yeah, his toilet is, around you. Yeah, his toilet is right there. We're looking at it. Oh, that's what that is? <laughs> I, we should really change our glasses then. <laughs> you know, I'm usually not like, you know, huffing uh, other people's farts very often. Uh-huh. I've often wondered how much of their fecal matter passes through whatever various layers of clothing they have. And mm-hmm. whether or not smells themselves are little particles. I thought um, they were. Yes, they are. They're, yes. They're, chem- they're, they're at least molecular. Yeah. But is that saying that like I call them a, poop a water, particles, a dude. water droplet? Would it be a poop droplet perhaps? Uh-huh. <laughs> perhaps a little bit of perhaps a little bit of poop ethylene or something like that. Would that would be a lot messier, I think. Yeah, maybe I should study my chemistry before I start. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Words out there. <laughs> okay, so I think that transitions perfectly into like what your research is specifically. Of course it does. I'm doing as much philosophical <laughs> bullshit as possible. <laughs> 
Yeah, so tell me like specifically what you are studying, and please, you know, dumb this down, Matt. Please. Well, then you don't I know mean, what. Then you don't want to know specifically what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, like really break this down. I mean, uh, you know, probably the the people listening to this right now are most sure. likely high, at least buzzed. Well, then we're on the same level, and we can probably speak the same language. Okay. okay so I'll, so I'm going to speak more in that sort of after dinner party sort of stoner language, in the sense of saying. I'm interested in the development of consciousness. Why did consciousness happen in the universe? What does it mean for a living organism to be consciousness, to be conscious, I should say, mm-hmm. for consciousness to be happening in or around that thing? Um, why do some things happen and some things don't? And what is the connection between that and agency, like the ability to be a thing who does something? So, you know, we talk about it as willpower. We talk about it as being able to make decisions, having free will. But all living bodies seem to be doers. They do things, whereas like unanimate things seem to not do things. What is it that allows them to do that? Um, so I'm definitely interested in the philosophical implications of recent advances in like systems biology and evolutionary theory um, and the things that we're continuing to learn about life and um, the universe. And then I want to you know sort of tackle more of the those philosophical sort of problems that go around that, like the nature of time, the nature of uh, history and um, experience and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going in that general direction, paying, trying to pay as close attention to uh, biology and chemistry and neurophysiology and things like that as, as much as I can, but pushing it in my own sort of way. Okay, yeah, so then uh, I'm going to pretend like I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, th- I was just pretending like <laughs> I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and so then talking about the mind, it, it kind of brings up ideas to me of, of the mind-body dualism, and it's essentially like the mind and the brain dualism. It's it's changed in that way. Like before it was sort of a, a mind-body, mind-matter sort mm-hmm. of dualism. Like matter is physical and hard and touchable, and the mind isn't like touchable or doesn't really have, you know, doesn't take up space the way physical things do. So right. that was how it initially started. And then it's morphed into this sort of like, well, minds seem to happen where there's brains. Yeah. So now it's a mind-brain problem. How does the brain make the mind happen? Right. And then that's why I've heard it articulated in a way that I kind of like where it's uh, the mind is the emergent property of the brain. And it is it's essentially what the brain does is it creates a mind kind of in the same sense where like the function of your heart is to pump the blood through your through your body and the, the function of your muscles is to move your skeleton and stuff like that. Is, is that kind of something that's uh, accepted, just that the, the mind is what the brain does? I think that people want to sort of say that the mind is what the brain does, but there's a lot of people who want to say that um, what is the most real thing is the chemical reactions and that your feeling of yourself as being a living thing is sort of just an illusion. Like it's just mm-hmm. sort of like brought up by these things doing this. And what's more real, what's more part of like the sort of active developmental aspect of you know, biology and evolution is uh, biochemistry, that evolution acts on biochemistry. You know, mm. it's not acting on you as an individual person in some sort of way. And, and I'm fascinated by that because I do think that obviously uh, mind or whatever it is that we want to understand by mind, which I think is a really a term that we take to for granted. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? I it think gets we take thrown around. Yeah. I think brains are in heads. I don't necessarily think right. that minds are necessarily just within heads. I think that Something about the way the brain functions such that the organism that you are is capable of being involved in these really diverse communities, linguistic, uh, familial, all these sorts of things, that those interactions and the depth of complexity that those interactions involve you in help develop 
your mindedness in the sense of like your unique perspective on things and a retention of what has happened before this immediate moment and all those sorts of stuff gets built up such that you are very real, mm-hmm. but are real in a much like less, you know, located inside your, your head kind of real. Um, but it just doesn't seem like that just because the brain is made of chemicals in some sense that we have to find the one place that the mind happens in that brain. Like we've got to find the one little, like if we find this one little clump of cells, we'll understand that's consciousness. Like that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's just so much more complex than that. That it's, it's, I just think that there's still work to be done in that sense. Not mm-hmm. that everybody's got it wrong by any means. I don't think that in any sense I've got it right. I'm just fascinated by this as a topic. Yeah. And want to just like see like where all it, it can go in some way. Yeah. But as far as like are we greater than the sum of our parts, I think that there's something very real about being a living, breathing creature like us involved in the types of communities that we are that is not reducible to the amount of uh, carbon or whatever that actually makes up your body. You know, we're made up of mostly the same chemicals, even Mm -hmm. though our diets are different and whatever else, you know, Mm -hmm. but you and I are utterly different, significantly different people. Our bodies are really close together as far as like what they're made of and like even their different shapes and their different colors and their different like hairinesses. I'm a little rounder. But yeah, slightly. Um, But 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 the the point is, is that our bodies are so chemically similar Mm. that that can't account for how you and I are utterly different people. Do you know what I mean? Different mm-hmm. backgrounds, different lifestyles, different yep. desires and dreams and possibilities. Like all of that's utterly different. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a way in which both make sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That living organisms are made of very, very similar things. And yet they develop into creatures that can be so utterly unique as living as a living human being. And also I would want to then from that point of view, try to argue that nearly every living thing has a uniqueness about it that is irreplaceable in the world. Because, like, once a person dies, that's part of the world that dies. Not just, like, literally that's a part of, like, the spatial matter. Mm-hmm. But their interaction with the world, the way in which the world was meaningful to them, mm-hmm. is irreplaceable. You cannot capture that again. Aww. Because it happens only in the living moment, I think, in some way. Not because so and we are, aren't we all just, like, snowflakes in that, in that sense, so right? We're beautiful. also, yeah, yeah. We're like, falling little snowflakes that are just bound to melt on the pavement. This is how you get chicks, huh? Oh, well, I don't know, right? Like, it, this is so beautiful. I'm like, <laughs> but see the, you, you're already trying to ready to. I'm touching to, my nipples to, to, right now. You're going after it. Maybe that type of type of talk would have worked in like undergrad, right? Uh-huh. Talk some talk some little freshman out of her pants because yeah, you can with, like you can say that. She's just like those are the that's the longest sentence I've ever heard somebody <laughs> put together. But then, <laughs> now it doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. Well, I hope that someday you're not a professor and it's working on an undergrad. You know? This is a fear of mine, to be honest. Yeah. It scares the crap out of me. <laughs> it, I'd rather it happen to me as a TA now, as a graduate student. You know what I mean? I'd rather like that kind of like messed up situation happen yeah. now. I fucking shouldn't say anything. Like, I have to go back to class tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> Okay, so then the uh, the concept that then comes to mind as kind of the next level is another word that gets thrown around a lot, I think, and that's the word soul. Mm. And then that is really, in a sense, you know, understood as something that is greater than the sum of our parts. That is something beyond easily the physical brain, but then also kind of beyond just the mind. Uh, and it is kind of like, I mean, I'll kind of describe it as basically that little, that something entity or whatever that is, makes you, you. And it's basically, you know, all of, it's still all of my experiences, all of my personality, all, everything that makes me, me, it's this little thing, this kind of, some people use the word spirit, you know, 
but it's a non-physical thing that people, when people use it, they're usually talking about this soul going on and living on after we die, right? So that after we, our, our physical bodies have ceased to function, that there is something about us, some essence about us or some little thing where I live on. And then, you know, other people think that it's heaven and hell. You know, the, the different religions have different claims about what happens to your soul. People believe in reincarnation. People believe that your soul can just gets to float around in the universe and do whatever it wants. People think that there's this thing, you know, that that goes on. And so basically my question is, do we have any good reason whatsoever to accept as true that there is some essence about us that lives on after we die. You know, it's funny. When I was younger, there were times when I was afraid to masturbate because I thought that perhaps my dead relatives were literally <laughs> looking in the ceiling, looking through the ceiling at me. And yeah. I was, and I, I was just, I mean, it was enough to make me be like, even just the thought of being like, really? That it was just kind of like, well, this is over. I'm yeah. obviously not doing this anymore. Yeah. But I mean, weren't you relieved when it was just your live relatives that were watching? <laughs> yeah, like, my mom was just looking in the, yeah. in the door, right? Get out of here, uncle. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think. Well, that dude, I felt total guilt when I lost my virginity. I told, I remember I told my girlfriend. Uh, I thought I, you said you told your mom. Like, no, no. <laughs> I told my family. I told my girlfriend's mom that <laughs> I feel like I turned away from God, you know? And I felt like then it was, I was being watched. And I thought about that too when I was masturbating. But then I kind of got into it. And now it's kind of now a thing for me. Now you're you know? like, just like, oh, there is yeah. somebody watching yeah, all the time. This, check this new move out, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. cowboy grip, Grandpa. But they only had missionary in your time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, also talk about something, a concept that just gets thrown around very much. And it's something that people, like, just take for granted. Like, it's there's no question about it. People well, don't question the existence of a soul going on after we die. So many people, it seems like they just take it for granted. Like, it's obvious. Well, let me, let me just say that I think that, um, for one, I think there are plenty of people... Uh, question that even people who do eventually still hold beliefs in something like that or the hope in something like that I think have questioned it at some point in time that that yeah. being an aside as in applied doubt to it Exactly. I mean, I think that that's yes. well, well, I think that here's, okay So we're on to two this this brings in another topic I don't want to diverge too much from mm -hmm. it And the only thing I'll say is that I think faith and doubt go hand in hand and you can't have faith unless you have doubt Right if we're gonna talk in a religious sort of sense, but let's talk about the soul for a second because you were mentioning that you know, not only do we have in certain cultures concepts of this thing that's you that somehow isn't attached to your body, you know, we can limit Which it I, to our culture, our time. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it happened. It's happened. It's ubiquitous in some sense. Right. Like it's happened all over the place. I mean, specifically, you want to talk about from a Christian point of view, because that was that's both of our upbringings. That's we can begin with that. No, but not just that. Right. Because there's non-religious people because that believe in people who still, yeah. But I think people use that term as lightly as, you know, before we were using the word mind. It's a common term that has much more um, depth about it, both historical, culturally, and socially, and I think um, philosophically and maybe psychologically, and who knows what else. What I think it really speaks about is the... Um, sort of ineffable significance of being alive that we have always had a, always tried to find a way to try to make sense of what it is that it, it's like to be alive because there's something so just crazy about actually experiencing life from the point of view of, of a human being. It, there's something crazy about that mm -hmm. and we've never been able to completely make sense of it. Our, so much of our, our whole 
human existence in the sense of our way of being, our arts, our even our technologies, all of this stuff is still trying to is still combating the sense of what is it to be alive as a human being in some sort of way. So I think that the fact that soul and those things come up is mm. is always been us trying to at least give a word, a concept, something that we can write poetry about, something that we can write stories about, something that we can begin to try to express in our culture so that we can, you know, we can make sense of in some sort of way. Okay. But with regards to like the metaphysics of um, something that exists after your biological body dies, I think that that's, I don't think that that's, I don't want to say that's just me. I just, I think, I don't think that it could possibly be the case. Right. Because I think that that consciousness and a sense of self are biological phenomena that only go on within a living biological organism. And then once that thing is gone, I just think it's the same nothingness for you that existed before you were born. And in fact, not even before you were born, before you started remembering things. There are whole periods of time when you were a living organism that eventually grew up into being you, mm -hmm. that you essentially don't matter to you as now. You can't right. recall anything from that. It doesn't right. matter to you. Right. From you as the living thing, essentially, you didn't even exist then. And you're biological thing was alive yeah so i think that what it is that's you that i think we want the word soul or spirit or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Ah, so many that's how it gets words. applied yeah i think that when, if that thing that we want to pick out is something that is so like developing and growing and completely non-substantial but completely tied to you being a functioning biological organism in a certain type of community that we've never been able to quite capture it so it is a problem with us with our language and a problem with us with our with our being but you're right. I think that so much of cultures holds on to this idea that it can transfer bodies. It goes to heaven. That it lives on. That it lives on. So basically, so then my my position, however tentative it is, is that there are zero reasons, zero good reasons for believing that anything about us that is us, me, mm. lives on after my physical body has expired. And I, what I like about my position is that I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. All I'm saying is that we, to present date, we have zero good reasons for accepting it as true. But I think that one thing that um, comes apart in what you want to say, which I completely agree with you, but since I am the philosopher that yeah. I am, I'm going to play Freak. a little bit of devil's advocate oh, here. Jesus. But it's going to go right along with what you're saying because you're just going to tell me um, that I'm using words differently. But it's like this. I think that as far as you go, as far as like the experiencing you, the you that has memories and dreams and desires and stuff like that, there's nothing about that that continues after your biological organism dies. The fading out period might be kind of crazy. Oh, and yeah. That might, oh, who oh, knows? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I have no idea what that fading out period is going to be like. I hope I get to experience it. Yeah, well, look at hope people I who... Hope I get to experience experiencing ending. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? How uh, crazy would that be? I mean, it's a paradox. I'd rather just That's why go. we don't know what to make sense of it. It's a paradox. I'd rather a boulder you fall on my head. You experiencing your own experiencing ending. Uh-huh. What? That yeah. What? So I would um, kill myself. <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't. Like you would have you, halfway through the thing, you would have stopped existing already. Um so beyond that, the fact that I don't think anything happens for you after you die, I do think that the problem with saying that nothing about you exists after you die or goes on or is information or is something like that is because of the false sense of being alive as being this isolated little island of an individual that you are somehow living in the world, you're not actually wholly a part of the world around you. And I don't mean that in some hippy-dippy, like, we got to recycle, man, you know, like, because mm -hmm. the water and the air, like, it's us, man. I mean, like, literally, it actually 
is in some way, such that when I die, I do go on because people will talk about no, me. No, okay, that's not people, what I'm talking but about. This is though. exactly what I said you would say. Yeah. You know that, what I mean? This is why I'm saying. My memory lives on. I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm alive in but pictures. I've already, but, I've already, and, but I've already said that you don't <laughs> exist as far as like what you experience. Okay. But it's very real that you're not just you as the body that you are. You are much more spread throughout your community and your environment in that sort of way. Okay. So what beyond my memory lives on? I mean, you're not things that you've had, things you touched, the thought. Maybe you wrote things. Maybe these podcasts live on. Okay, like your activities are as much of you as just like the, mm, the raw physical like well, form. And you, <laughs> I don't do that. You're like, mm, you're like, well, this is dead. <laughs> that part's gone. And it's just like, yeah, you're right. That part's gone. But like, but and, there's and nothing. Like, too, so I like, will never, I okay. will never get to come back and experience my podcast no. or see my pictures. No, of I course. Don't, but, why, but why does that mean that somehow you? Cease to exist entirely. Why no. can't you, when you die, your existence really starts to like significantly fade away. Okay. But I don't think that you are only just this little thing. That your influence throughout the world is so much more pervasive that even though you as a living thing are gone, nobody can ever talk to you again. You'll never breathe again. You'll never wish something again. You'll never just have think. sex again. You'll just never, have a thought. Nothing will happen for yeah. you again. It will be the blackest, darkest nothingness that... Was yeah. the same thing for you when you asked the question? Yeah, before I was what born. Did you, what sweet. did your face look like before your mother and father had sex? Uh huh. What the? F- yeah. What, oh. what did your face look like before your mother and father had sex? It was like grossed There's out. There's nothing. There's nothing oh. there. There's no such thing as you. No, I know. You know I what know. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that would be the same thing for you after you die. It's I'm that comfortable. Same nothingness. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally comfortable right. with that. I but. think the reason that we invented religion is because people are so uncomfortable with that idea that we that we don't get to live on. You know, but. Well, I don't Either think, way, I don't, I don't think religion was an invention. Like we decided to um, make this sort of salve for our pains. I think it grew out of um, no, a, I don't of either. A living no. of a living, um, just the mode of human life, and it diversified. It diversified the, into sci- into philosophy first, and then into science. Okay, but we digress. Um. <laughs> but this is all part of the history of thought. Religion and religion and philosophy were tied together, and then so was philosophy and science, and they're all just as related as we are to chimps and orangutans in the mm. same sort of like. Branching off this is so ancestry. Poetic. I'm gonna make out with you before the day. I know you want to. You want to, but you don't want to because I want to say that you go that on after you so die, gross. and you're like, no. I want to say you go on after you die. Yeah, but I think you're saying it more in kind of like a poetic sense. Yeah, and why not? I think that we're no, also a poetic beings. So I'm agreeing yes, with you yes. entirely. But I'm also yeah. saying like, but why not think that if people? So here's here's. Oh, I do. Right, but it's what if not people, why not? I mean, I do. But I what if people like? What if my um, mom didn't say, "I hope I see you in heaven." But instead, she said that I hope people you've never met think about you. You know, uh, like think about like um, something like Beethoven still lives on because people right. who have never met him yes. get to think about him. Yes. If we had all stopped that, it's just as easy enough as if Beethoven never existed. Think about all the people who who've lived and died, and nobody ever talks about again. They not, they don't exist. Right. But in some sense, some oh. people are still somehow around because we we keep them as part of not just our lexicon but part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that obviously they're dead. Beethoven's not playing music anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's not playing in the thunderclouds or some shit like that. You know? Yeah. But I do think that there's some amount of your impact in the world. Isn't just over when you stop being conscious of your life. Yeah. You know, I think that being a living being is more impactful than um, just your first person point of view. Right. But once that's gone, that's gone. Mm-hmm. It's over. That's why it's, ir- that's why life is so unbelievably valuable that we want to make sense of it. We want to call it something because mm-hmm. it's so irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I think the soul comes up. You realize like when, when suddenly you stop functioning like a living thing, 
the world's irreplaceably changed. We're never getting that back. And that's sad. That's how tragedy is like Aww. a real part of life. Yeah. I'm really trying to get you to make out. You know, do you want some more yeah. wine? I'm going to need to mainline it. Okay, so then we agreed. We we both, we both agreed, but I'm we so, agree. But I'm yeah, but I'm so annoyed with you right now. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. You're just gonna cut all of that out, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then uh, I think we can leave it there for now. <laughs> oh shit, we are the two drunk stoner dudes at the end of a dinner Damn, party. You didn't even feed Jesus me this Christ. Night. Uh, but I'm super stoked on having you on, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. Uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime soon. No, this was solid. I'd love to get back on here and uh, try to articulate whatever crap I was just saying <laughs> again. I think now there's going to be a lot of uh, young co-eds that are going to be uh, very motivated to take your philosophy course, you know. Oh, is that the sub, uh, subscription um, demographic of the <laughs> yeah. podcast? <laughs> lots of young, young lots of young co-eds. Awesome. That's my target demo. Hey, ladies, what's up? Tell them to look me up on academia.edu. Yeah. <laughs> right on, you guys. Well, that was that. Uh, hope you dug it. You ever thought about this, man? So now just go and try and enjoy the rest of your lives, you freaking animals. I'll talk at you later. See ya.